You are listening to The Lift Mindset, where we provide an update from the experts. The aim of our podcast is to inform, educate and entertain. We will be sharing our views on current trends and predictions for 2021 about the industries the Lift Financial Group cover. This week, we have special guest Rachel Ray, Senior Technical Consultant at AJ Bell, discussing the topic of retirement strategy with Jonathan Housel, Chartered Financial Planner at Lift Financial. The podcast will cover planning the run-up to retirement, retirement options and also access in personal investments alongside your pensions. Hello, my name is Rachel Vay. I am a senior technical consultant at AJ Bell. Hi, I'm Jonathan. I'm one of the chartered financial planners here at Lyft Financial. Last time we did talk a little bit about information you might want to gather as you're building maybe a few years off retirement and just plans for what that might look like. But for someone that's actually sort of at retirement or pretty close to retiring, what information do you think they need to bring together to be able to work out what they should be doing? Well, I think it's like other things in life. You need a good base of knowledge to be able to make the right and to make robust decisions. But essentially, all you really need to know is how much money you have and how much money you need and when you're going to need it. So if you boil it down, that sounds quite simple, but it can get a little bit complicated. But if we start at the beginning, the best thing is to do is to find out how much state pension you need. And you can do this by going online and asking for a forecast from the DWP, the Department for Work and Pensions. Now, this is very useful. It tells you exactly how much you're going to get, but it also checks what your state pension age is. And you might find this helpful because the state pension age has been changing over recent years. Also, as your state pension is based partly on national insurance contributions, if you have any gaps in your record of paying national insurance contributions, if you've not paid the full 35 years, you may be able to identify that and to pay in contributions and to cover those gaps. So that's the state pension. But you also need to find out about your own pensions. Now, when you come up to the run up to retirement, you can use annual statements and other information that your pension providers are going to send to you. And this should tell you exactly how much you've got in your pension. And often you can go online and have a look and just check these amounts. If you've lost track with any pension that you think you have, then you can use an online tracker to get hold of this pension and therefore track it down. Make sure they know who you are, where you now live or what you might now be called if you've changed your name because you say married and you can make sure that you have control over these pensions and you know exactly where they are. You need to think about all your other assets as well. You might have ISAs you've set up in the past and you don't really keep a good hold on them. So you might really want to find out where they are and how much they're worth. And of course, all your other different types of savings plans, for example, investment bonds or stocks and shares or whatever it may be. And just to gather together all of this information. That also includes your house and how much equity you may hold in your house. So you find out exactly how much money you have got in all these different various places. And on the other side, you then need to start thinking about your spending. So the first question is going to be, are you going to stop work completely or do you want to work part time? And if you work part time, how much are you going to earn and when do you plan to stop working part time? You then need to think about how much money you need to cover all your basic expenses for example, your food or your housing costs and your energy 
energy costs and running a car and holidays and things like that. But you need to think about big expenses as well that you know are going to come down the road for you. For example, you may want to help your children through university or they may be planning weddings or you maybe want to help them get onto the housing ladder. So lots of things to think about. So you've got these two sides to the equation and then it's a case of just drawing them together. And this is where a financial advisor like Lyft can be really, really helpful. They can help you draw together these two sides of the equation, what you have and what you need, and you can then put together a cash flow plan. And this is a really essential part of the kit you need when you are planning your retirement, but also as you go through your retirement and you understand more about how much you're spending and what things you need to cost in. Great. Thanks for that, Rachel. And I think you raised some really good points. I think expenditure, people think about what they're going to spend, but it's those major one-off things as well that can completely derail retirement, I'd say, if you haven't really seriously thought through them. In terms of actually, when do you start thinking about this? I mean, I suppose always people will say the earliest possible, but when it comes to how you're going to actually use your pensions and how you can access them and things like that, I mean, how soon to actually retire and should people be doing that? I think you're right. I think there's no hard and fast rules. I would probably say as a rule of thumb, as a generalisation, you should probably really start to plan seriously from about age 50. Like everything in life, the more advanced planning you have, the better the situation you will be in. And if you start working with a financial advisor, then you can help set that planning into action. And I think that's really important. You can sort of think around these subjects. So from age 50, you will also start to receive what's called wake up packs from your pension providers. And this is, a, is an important little bit of communication. And what they do is they set out how much your pension is worth and all the contributions that you've paid into it over the last year or so. And But it also sets out some of the risk messages and the key things for you to think about as well as you start planning your retirement. So you should start be getting information without asking for it, but it's also the time to start getting all the details together. Absolutely. And I think that's it. I mean, obviously, when it comes to the specifics of retirement, I think you can probably get too far out that you can't really make any solid decisions mm. but you're right I think once you're in your 50s retirement's a bit clearer on the horizon for you you know where your pensions are a bit it's a good time to delve into this isn't it yes absolutely great what sort of looking specifically at pensions what other options we've got for accessing and drawing on these when we are going to start needing them well when you're talking about defined contribution pensions there are or money purchases they're also called, there are three main options for accessing your pension. You've got pension drawdown or income drawdown. You could take lump sums and you can buy an annuity. So those are your three main options. Um, but you don't have to just choose one or the other. You can choose a mixture of two or three of them. And the other important thing to realise is that you don't have to take all your pension at the same time. And you don't have to take it at the same time as your state pension either. You could take some parts of your pension funds at one time and then decide what to do with the remainder at a later date. So the good news is that you have so much flexibility now to decide when and how to take your pension funds that you can really make sure that you make the best decisions. Okay, so let's have a look through these three options. So first is pension drawdown. Yeah, pension drawdown. And you may want to take tax-free cash with that as well. So you can take a tax-free lump sum of usually up to 25% of the amount of pension you are taking. And then with pension drawdown or income drawdown, you leave the rest invested in your pension. So up to 25% tax-free cash, 
75% remains invested. And from that amount, you can then start to take regular income or you can take income as and when you need it. So it offers you a lot of flexibility to take an income that's going to match what you need. You can increase what you take, you can reduce it, you can stop it, you can start it anytime you want. So you have the maximum flexibility and control over this money. And if that's what you need in your life and that's what you want, then this is one of the options to really seriously consider. Now, the drawdown fund, as I said, it remains invested. So if you choose this option, you have to be comfortable with that. You have to be comfortable that you're going to be ongoing. You're going to be investing this balance and you have to understand investment returns aren't guaranteed. So if the investment takes a fall, then you are going to have to do something. You're going to have to maybe cut back on the amount of income that you were planning on taking from this amount of money or maybe even stop it. And it's also possible that the fund may run out completely and you're income goes to zero. So it's very important to remember that it's an ongoing commitment to look after this particular pot of money and that there are no guarantees. So the initial lump sum is tax-free. This 25% is tax-free, but anything else you take from that pot of money is taxed as income tax. So you need to be aware of that and to uh, to work out how much income tax you're going to pay. And when you die, if you have any remaining income drawdown fund, then that can be passed down as either a lump sum or a pot of money to take an income from, and you can pass it to somebody you nominate. So you may want to nominate your husband or wife or your children or another family member, but you can nominate whoever you want. Now, ultimately, it's the scheme administrator's decision who receives the money. That's just the way it works. It's ultimately it's their decision. But if you write in and say, I wanted the money to go to my husband or my wife, then it's very, very likely that's what will happen. And the scheme administrator will follow your wishes. On that, in terms of, I don't, did you mention around tax on death? No, for when it depends when you die. If you die before the age of 75, then the money that's passed over to your beneficiaries, if they take an income from it or it's paid out as a lump sum, then there is no income tax to pay. But if you die after the age of 75, then as they take an income or a lump sum, they will have to pay income tax on that. And it's probably best to remember that you may think, oh, I'm not sure if I'm going to live to 75. and But I think I Actually, the likelihood is you probably are and most people live to 75 and therefore their family will have to pay income on the amount of money they get. But for inheritance tax, because it's within a pension, it's usually shielded from inheritance tax. So it won't count as part of your estate when you die and it won't count as part of the money where inheritance tax may be due. The second option we were talking about, taking a lump sum option. Do you want to just tell us a bit more about that? Yes, these are a lump sums or they've got a horrible name in the industry, which is UF plus, which is just the initials UFPLS, which is uncrystallized funds, pensions, lump sums. It's a horrible name. <laughs> so it's easier <laughs> to just remember them as just lump sums. So instead of taking all of your a big pot of money, what you do is you can just cut your pension funds into little lump sums and just take them. And part of it is tax free and part of it is taxed. So you can decide how many lump sums you want to take. You could take one or two, 
or you could take 20 or 30. It's your choice completely. So that, again, means you have a lot of control and flexibility about how you want to take your retirement pension fund. But again, anything you don't take out remains invested and you have to be comfortable with that. You have to understand what that commitment means. So depending on how markets perform, that money could go down in value or it could go up. That's obviously going to affect the value of any future lump sums you take. So they may be smaller than you planned or again the money might just run out earlier than you planned. So when you look at this lump sum 25% of it's going to be tax free the rest is going to be taxed as income so you will want to think about how much you take. There really isn't much point taking out a large amount if you don't need it because all it does it pushes you into a higher income tax band or it could push you into a higher income tax band and it means that you just pay more tax on it and that doesn't seem to make any sense to me. So you need to plan exactly what you want to take and when you want to take it, just so that you can realise the tax efficiency. Now, like income drawdown, if you have any remaining fund when you die, then that can be passed as a lump sum or an income to your nominated beneficiaries. Like income drawdown, it works in the same way. It means that it might be taxed as income if you die after the age of 75. But if you die before age 75, there won't be any income tax for your beneficiaries to pay. And also, it will usually be shielded from inheritance tax. So, I mean, it sounds really like these two first options, really, that they're almost one and the same. They're just a slight variation. Yeah, but just a different way of working it. Yeah, absolutely. So the third option we can have a talk through now, annuity purchase, I suppose this one, as you'll come on to, is a little bit of a different option, I suppose. Yes, it is. It was the one which was a lot more prevalent a few years ago. A lot of people got up to retirement and then just bought an annuity. But now we have a lot more flexibility. So many more people have decided to take income drawdown or few people take of plus and just a few people now take annuities but they are they're an important option to consider I think I think they can be very helpful for some people so what you do with the annuity is again you can take a tax-free cash amount from your pension fund and again you can usually take up to 25% but the rest of the money you can buy an annuity so in really simple terms what it is an annuity is a contract with an insurance company where you give them a lump sum of money and in return they they say, we will pay you an income that is guaranteed to last you for the rest of your lifetime. Now, there's not that many things in life which are absolutely guaranteed, but an annuity is. It will continue paying for as long as you live. Now, the annuity income is taxed as income. So the insurance company works out how much they're going to pay you in an annuity based on a few things. First of all, how old you are now, and then how long they expect you to live. So they will take into account things like your health, your occupation, whether you are on medication, your weight, and also where you live. Now you can choose options for your annuity, for example, to increase the amount this is paid out each year. So it can keep in line with how costs of spending go up, for example, or it could just be a level percentage that it goes up, say, by 3% each year. You can also decide to pay an amount to your husband or wife or 
your dependent if you die. So, for example, you may want to say, well, when I die, I just want 50% of what is being paid out to continue to be paid out to my wife or husband. Or you can say, when I die, I want a lump sum to be paid out if I die within, the, say, the first five years. But every option that you add on is going to reduce your starting amount because obviously it's going to cost the insurance company more to carry on paying out to your wife, for example, if you die early. So because of that, you need to think about what your starting amount is going to be, but also how much cover your dependents need as well. So the benefits of an annuity is that it is guaranteed for life. So you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to take any further decisions. You don't have to do any investment decisions with it. And it can be really useful, I think, to cover your basic needs for food or housing costs. But the downside to it is that you have no flexibility to increase or to reduce the income you receive. It's already been set out in stone. So it doesn't matter how well the investment markets do for, say, the next 20 years of your retirement. That's going to make no difference whatsoever because you have already made that decision to take that guaranteed income. So there isn't any flexibility and there is there's no control over it. You don't get anything. You just get the guaranteed income coming in. So it's one to think about, but maybe as part of how you set up your pension fund, but it really depends upon what you want to do and what your income needs are. From what you've talked through there with the three options, I think a key thing you said earlier on for me was that almost this mixing and matching, potentially the ability to change what you're doing down the line, you know, could work well for a lot of people, I think. Is that fair to say? I think you're right. And you also have to remember that there's quite a lot of flexibility. So you might decide to go for income drawdown in the early part of your retirement, because that's the point where you know that you, you might be having a part-time employment coming in and the income coming in from that, or you might have a lot of costs because because of children expenses or because you're going on holiday or because you're doing up the house or because you want to fund the best retirement you can probably get. All of these sorts of things. And for those reasons, you might want income drawdown because of the control and flexibility that gives you. But as you get older and into maybe the later parts of your retirement, and you've got to remember, this is a long period of time. This is 20 or 30 years. It's a long, long time to plan for. And it's really difficult to do that. So as you get older and you get to say 80, maybe you might just go, actually, all I want to know is that I am going to get a guaranteed amount of money coming in all the time that is going to help me live my life at this point. And that reason you might want to think about buying an annuity at a later point in life. But you're right, it's such a long period of time, it can be really difficult to plan for. And it's really keeping as much flexibility back as you possibly can, I think, in the earlier years to to be able to then decide how to spend your later life. That's the thing, isn't it? As you say, you can switch from income drawdown or the, the, the lump sum strategy potentially to annuity down the line. Of course, if you're in an annuity with whatever you've done there, you're a bit more stuck in there, aren't you really? But the other way around, you're not committed for income drawdown for life. Yes, and it's really a personal decision, I think. It really just depends on partly on the risks that you want to take, but also on where you are in life at the moment and, and what your life promises to be in the next few years, in the next couple of decades, really. So just one sort of final question to wrap up. For many people, they'll probably have pensions as we're talking about and that's been the main focus but if they've got other assets investments which is ISAs that you mentioned earlier on is there an approach they should be considering to how they draw on these or the order they're drawing on different things whether it's ISAs and pensions? 
Yeah, I think you're right. Sometimes there is a tendency to look just at a pension because that's really what you set up a pension for. And that's why we get tax relief. It's because it's there to provide later life income. But you do really need to think about all of your assets, all the different types of assets you have and how they are taxed as you take them and how they are taxed on your death. Really to boil this down to a really simple message, what you're trying to do is to minimise the amount of tax you pay so that you end up with a larger sum for either you or if you're going to pass it on for your family. That's what you want to do. So when you need to think about all of these assets, the order in which you take your savings and you access your assets can be really important. So it's worth thinking about. Now, I think this is a really complicated area. So the best idea is really to run through this and run through your options with a financial advisor like Lyft. You need to understand what assets you have and you need to understand how they're going to be taxed and how you can access them. You might not always be able to access them easily. For example, you might have equity built up within a house, but it could be people always say, I have my house, I have my, that equity in my house, but it can be sometimes difficult to realise you might not be able to get the buyer or you might not be able to buy something else in the same area you want to live. It can be sometimes really difficult to realise that amount of money. But you also need to understand tax. So you need to understand allowances, you need to understand about zero rates of tax, you need to understand all the different ways that different things are taxed. So there's no hard and fast rules. The order that you're going to take your savings or you could take your savings is going to depend upon your personal tax situation, value of the assets, what they're invested in, when you take them, and what other income you may have. So you might have employment income coming through. But as an example, if you plan on working part time in retirement, so at the beginning of your retirement, then you may want to take income from your ISAs to supplement that part time employment income. And the reason for that is because when you take money out of your ISAs, you don't pay any tax on that money coming out. And you might want to leave your pension income until last. So you might want to spend up all the other assets you have, all your ISAs and investment bonds and stocks and shares and all sorts of things like that, and look at your housing wealth as well. You might want to look at all of those before your pension income. And that's because any money that is left in your pension will usually be sheltered from inheritance tax. So it makes sense to use up other assets and money first and leave your pension money to, until later. I think this can be counterintuitive. You always think, that's what pension is there for, is to provide me with an income in retirement. So why aren't we cracking that one open? Or why aren't we using that? But there are very good reasons why using up other assets first may make more tax efficiency sense. Thank you for that, Rachel. Very helpful and useful information. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We hope you have learned something new today from our experts. If you would like to find out more, please visit our website www.lift-financial.com or search for Lift-Financial on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram. Don't forget to like and subscribe to hear more from the Lift Mindset.